I think we've all heard at least once or twice that truth that comes about every once in a while. Maybe we say it or someone else reminds us about it. But the truth is, there's always one in the bunch. I wasn't looking at nobody. But, you know, maybe you've kind of given that to someone. Maybe someone's given it to you. There's always one who wants to mess it up for everybody else, right? Or there's always one that wants to go against the grain, right? Stop pointing fingers. This is not the time or the place. But there's always one, right, in the bunch. Maybe that could be a bad thing, but maybe it can be a good thing. And I think today... We are going to see that it can be a very good thing. But before we get further into that, I want, to, uh, want you to sort of work with me a little bit. I want you to use your imagination as best you can. I want you to imagine that uh, your life has just changed almost in an instant. And maybe you can rely on some of your previous life experiences. Sometimes things happen, and later on we remember exactly where we were and what we were doing when this happened, or when we got the news about something, we remember exactly what we were doing, right? Because in these moments, sometimes our lives just change. So I want you to try to think about that. And imagine then waking up one day. As you're getting ready for the day, whatever you expect the day to bring to you, perhaps work or perhaps a day off or something, you're getting yourselves ready and you notice a spot, on your skin. And as you notice that more and more, you begin to realize that your life is about to change. And unfortunately, it's about to change for the worse. Luke does something for us. Luke reminds us of the life that lepers would have had in this time of the Bible. Now, you and I, we may consider it kind of strange how people were treated and what Uh, One group thought about another group based on a certain condition or something like that. But Luke subtly reminds us of the leper's life change in the reading that we have today. And before we get too much into the leper and what that means, there's an idea that we have to make sure we understand when we talk about uh, lepers or leprosy. And that is the idea of being unclean. Unclean is not, you know, you haven't taken a bath in a couple days or you've been out smoking the hams and you have yet to get the smoke off because we're not going to be able to do that for a few weeks, right? (laughs) Not unclean in that sense. Uh, Typically, you are unclean morally or uh, ceremoniously. And if you were unclean, it sort of meant you were defiled. That, That idea that sometimes we have that we're not good enough to go to church or we're not good enough for God's grace. If, you can, if you've ever said that, if you ever heard somebody say that, you can understand then that idea or notion of being unclean. Because it was the lepers who were considered to be unclean. As Jesus entered the village, Luke tells us, and that's our first clue about the life of the lepers, As he enters into the village there on the outskirts, before he gets in, before he can get to see everything good about the village, before he gets in any further and gets to downtown and sees all the local eateries and everything, before he gets in, he has to come around the city. And it's out on the edges, the skirts of the city where the lepers live. You see, they've been told that's the only place they can live. Why? Because they have 
They're lepers. And we've talked before, leprosy is sort of a catch-all term in the biblical sense uh, for a lot of different conditions, not just leprosy in in the sense that we think. But if you were thought to be a leper, you were thought to be unclean, and part of what you had to do is live outside of the community, perhaps by yourself or, in this case, perhaps with other lepers. But your life has changed. You don't have a life with your family anymore. You don't have a life in your home anymore. You don't get to go to work every day. You don't get to see your kids every day. Your life has changed. Then Luke tells us that as these ten lepers see Jesus coming by, they begin to shout. And and they want to get close to him, so they approach him, but they don't get that close because they've been told you don't get close to other people either. Because then you run the risk of getting someone else unclean. And then that person runs the risk of getting someone else unclean. So not only are you banished to the outside of the town, you cannot come near anybody else. And so imagine then Jesus and his entourage sort of coming into town and they're out on the skirts of the town and they see him and they're yelling because they can't get too close. But they start yelling, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. Boy, mercy is what they needed, right? See, their condition not only separated them from their family, their old way of life, but in a lot of ways it separated them from God. Again, that may sound silly to us, but that's part of their understanding. And so you can imagine as they're there one day, maybe they've seen Jesus before, maybe he's passed through, or maybe they've just heard about this guy they at least, at least have heard about him. They call him Jesus. They call him Master. And as he's coming in, you can imagine, guys, guys, look. Look who's coming, right? It's like Beatlemania, right? Look. Look who's coming. And they get together and they start yelling out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. At that point, you have to realize, well, what do they have to lose yelling like that? Integrity, livelihood, way of life. What else has helped them up to this point? Nothing. They can either lose nothing because nothing else has helped. So why not, as you see Jesus coming, cry out to him, Master, have mercy on us. Now, friends, considering what you and I have to deal with every day, perhaps at work, or at home, or even within ourselves, you know, that that cry of the ten lepers might be something worth remembering. Maybe if you're a Bible highlighter, maybe you want to highlight what they had to say, or this, this prayer they had to Jesus. Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. That might be something worth making your own one day. Because, as Luke shows us, God sees us, and God hears us. You see, thank you, as Jesus is walking into the the front first part of the city and they start yelling out to Jesus, Luke says, when Jesus saw them, he what? He told them to go show themselves to the priest. Now understand or remember that it's the priest who has the authority to dictate whether you are unclean or not. (laughs) 
I'm not going there. But when Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest, presumably, go show yourself to the priest so that he and you can see that you've been made clean. Now, what's really great about that is he hadn't done anything. He just told them to go. Well, you want to talk about some faith a minute. But he tells them, go show yourself to the priest. In other words, he heard them. And Luke says, when he saw them, and I'm going to paraphrase, he had mercy on them. He heard their prayer. Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. And when he saw them, he had mercy on them. Friends, God sees us and has mercy on us. Now, I don't know what it is you're crying out to God for lately, but I want you to hear me today that God hears us and God sees us. And God has mercy. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. That's right. Now, Jesus wasn't the only person to see something that day. Jesus tells the lepers to go show yourself to the, to the priests. And I don't know, were they running? Were they racing? Were they a little embarrassed still about who they knew they were? or who they thought they were, or what they were, and maybe they're kind of walking through. Who knows? But as they're on their way, who knows how long it was on their way, one of them, I imagine they're running, one of them sort of comes to a screeching halt. And I know I've seen way too many cartoons, okay? But I have it in my mind. This guy sort of does a Scooby-Doo, breaks on and smoke and everything. And that spot he saw that one day, He has just seen the grace and the mercy of God. And you know what he does? He turns around and he praises God with a loud voice, y'all. Now, I want you to think about that. You, you just seen him do the break thing. He's realizing what God has just done. He's turned around in a loud voice. What do you think he's saying in a loud voice? Who knows? Thank you. Praise God. Amen. Look at what God has done. Maybe he's singing amazing grace or something like that. Who knows? Who knows what he could have said? But he stopped and he's saying these things. Now, if you had just realized God had done something for you, what would you be saying? See, the truth is God does something for us because God hears us and God sees us. Don't ever think you are not worth God's time. God sees us. God hears us. God is doing something right now in all of us as God's people. So then what do we say when we recognize that? That is the question. See, there's, a, 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 there's something about the church. I love the church, and sometimes I want to hurt the church. <laughs> now, I'm part of the church. Y'all realize that. But there's a statement I've heard in every church that I've been a part of. It just it bothers me so much. See, in every church that I've been at, there's always been one in the bunch that, you know, comes Sunday morning, wants to stand up and talk about something that God has done for them that week. And as they're speaking, as they're talking, maybe they get a little excited. 
Maybe their voice kind of increases just a little bit. Maybe they say words like amen and praise God. Maybe their hand accidentally goes in the air. I don't know. But as they're speaking, or as it's their time to speak, as everybody knows, there's always somebody on the side thinking, here they go. Don't they know we don't do that? We're Methodists. We don't do that. We don't do that? Who says we don't do that? Who says we don't do that? You know what? Maybe we haven't been doing that, and that's our problem. We want to talk about everything that's wrong with the church. Maybe it starts right there. That we just want to say God is good, but we don't want to stop, turn around, and praise God as a good God. Maybe that's what's wrong with the church today. Now, I want you to think about this scene. You have this man stopping in his tracks, realizing what God has done, turning around and giving God praise with a loud voice, and he's probably shouting, who knows what he's saying, but he doesn't stop there. He gets down on that ground face first, and he's still praising, and he's still thanking God. That's a beautiful scene, right? Did you see when the kids did that up there? I hate when the kids do that kind of stuff because it always makes my allergies, you know, flare up. (laughs) But there he was in that beautiful scene. You know what Jesus said? Where are the other nine? There was ten, right? Ten minus one is nine. Where are the other nine? Now, there's always one in the bunch, and I think if I'd have been there, I think I would have said, well, Jesus, they're out doing what you told them to do. You told them to go show themselves to the priest, and that's what they went to go do. Fair? They're just doing what they're told. They're like me. They're highly trained spouses. getting hot in here. (laughs) I think I'm going to be in the leper colony. (laughs) Amen, brother. Oh, man. (laughs) You know what? They were just out doing what they were told. And I think as they were doing that, they were probably happy. They got to see what God was doing in them. They were probably thankful, too. But you never know. See, we only have to guess whether they were or not. So it seems like maybe there's something about this stopping and turning around and praising God for what we know God is doing. That is very important to Jesus and, of course, very important to our life of faith as well. And if church... Is something you think you have to do because Jesus told you to go do it. If that's our idea of what church is, brothers and sisters, it's hard to see the blessing when you're doing what you're told. It's hard to have and understand the healing and the mercy of God when you feel like you're being drugged by the ear and going to church. We come to church because we are here to celebrate. 
We are here this morning because God has been too good for us not to stop everything we're supposed to be doing, turn around, and give God praise. And I don't care who's playing at 12 o'clock this afternoon. See, friends, this week, there's going to be somebody in the bunch that's going to want to watch too much football. There's going to be somebody in the bunch that's want to get up real dark and early to be there to beat all the other shoppers, right? There's going to be somebody in the bunch that wants to go after the fourth and fifth turkey sandwich. Those things are fine. They are good. They're fine. But here's what happens. When that's all we commit ourselves to doing, I think we forget what God is doing. When we focus on that extra layer of cranberry sauce, when we focus on the score, when we focus on the good deals, when we focus, when we even say things like Thanksgiving is all about family, when we focus all on those things, I think we forget about what God has done and is doing. So friends, as you go through this week, I want you to be that one, that one in the bunch that is willing to stop in your tracks and say, wait a minute, we got to turn around and we got to praise God. Will you be that one? Let's pray together. Oh, loving God, you have been so good to us. You have blessed us with your mercy. You have blessed us with your love. You have blessed us with a church family, God, a group of people that you have called your own. You have done so much for us, God. And we ask that you forgive us when we have just taken those gifts lightly, ignored those gifts, or just ran away with them. And we ask that today, as we can hear your calling to stop, Turn around, God, that you would bring thanksgiving to our heart, that we could see what you are doing in our life, to be thankful. God, we are your people, and we are thankful for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.